You are about to listen to I Like To Movie Movie on the Roadside Network. I like to movie movie. I like to movie movie. I like to movie movie. You like to movie. I like to movie movie. I like to movie movie. I like to movie movie. You like to movie. God, I love that theme. It's so good. So good. It's the e- best. Every time we hear it, it makes me laugh. Because we just listen to it. Just now. We don't drop it in after. No, no. It's, we do not put anything in post. Nope. No post-production on this show. None. Can you tell? <laughs> no, welcome. No production on this show. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell? No, there is production. But welcome, yes. You're welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the movie podcast. The mo- <laughs> That's the best look. <laughs> the movie podcast. No, it is, it is the movie podcast. It's the we movie, like the movie, movie, movie. My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And we are here to tell you what we like about movies. Yes. What we like about them. Yes. Uh, People I say s- I like everything, and no, I just, I don't want to talk about what I don't like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Huh. Uh, and I feel like it's still in the early episodes, we need to explain the concept of movie movies every Absolutely. time. And I'm trying to get to a point where I've got like a nice quick explanation of a movie movie. We'll get there, everybody. Like episode 12, we're going to have a great like one sentence movie movie explanation. Uh, I want to audition one right now. Go. Can I do it? Here we go. Do it. I just breathe smoke in your microphone. I love it. (laughs) Um, Okay, here it is. I like to movie movie. What is a movie movie? A movie movie is a movie that successfully uses its medium. Done. That's that's what I like. Yeah, that's the the best way to describe (laughs) what we're talking about. I've always reviewed movies based on not not what, what my expectations were, but in terms of, you know, did the filmmakers, uh, fulfill their goal yes did they successfully uh, complete what their goal was was to you know show to me and it, that's how i review a movie and so movie movies have a way of cheating into my heart because the best way i think to do that is to use the medium to its fullest extent yeah, exactly and so mm. we're going to talk about one of like it's definitely one of our favorite movie movies i would imagine our audience is probably Pretty on board with this, this is a hundred percenter. Yeah, it's if you don't like this movie, like I know it's objective, but you're wrong. <laughs> yes. you are wrong. Exactly. We're going to talk about Back to the Future. <sighs> yes, the the forefront of, in my opinion, the best trilogy of all time. Really, I I love that trilogy. <laughs> it works so well for me. Fair. I mean, what? Tri- okay, what would you what would you say is your favorite trilogy? I'm I want to know. Sh- I mean, the original Star Wars like is very uh, uh, c- like classic to me. Uh, I would I, I would put up it up trilogy. with Star Wars and Indiana Jones. I would too. I uh, would definitely put it up there. But honestly, like I even like Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy quite okay, a bit. Fair I enough. Was, I, I've been thinking about that lately, like where that sits amongst trilogies. Mm. Uh, I think if the end were a little tighter, it would definitely be way up there. Absolutely. But to be fair, pretty much every trilogy we just mentioned has a third movie that's like. Okay. Yeah, I'll take it. They ended the I'll story. But see, that's the thing that I, I really enjoy the third Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, because I as I said, it's most. set up as a Western, but... I enjoy it more than most, uh, but it's, I don't know, it's not uh, It's not great. And then, yeah, I guess you're right, Return of the Jedi is a little, Return of the Jedi you know, is a little... What's the clerk's line? It's, it's, it's a bunch okay, of good. Muppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, then Indiana Jones is no longer a trilogy. Right. But uh, that third one, I think, is is might be the strongest chapter. It's one of my favorite. Yeah, Indiana that's Jones a good one. one. But they have the really Temple weak second chapter. See, I'm a big Temple of Doom fan. I like Temple of, Again, I think I like it more than most, but mm. I, I still see it as like this movie is oh, very... Yeah. Uh, that movie really ups the camp, which, I mean, Indiana Jones is supposed to be a campy series, mm. but that movie 
really ups that camp to oh, a definitely. point where it's like Kalima, yeah, Kalima. But and it portrays Indian people poorly. And I will, I will put this out there too. There was actually a big thing about that. They, they got mad, like no one wants to vacation to India. And I was like, well, I never did, but I'll give it to you. It's pretty evil. But uh, that was a prequel too. So that's a uh, that's a reverse trilogy. That, and let's talk about that really quick, just because I have a funny thing about that. It is one oh, of yeah. the worst prequels ever because in the very beginning of of uh, uh, Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, Indy is very adamant to his mentor friend. Like, I don't believe in magic. Yeah, yeah. you know why? Because I've never seen magic. He uses nothing so on this much planet magic. as ever I've ever encountered is like magic. Uh-huh. And then you get the prequel that is the most magic of all the Indiana Jones movies, all even magic. the fourth one. He rips a man's heart out of his he chest. He watches a man rip another yeah. man's heart out of his and chest. And it bursts into flames as his body is commit to the lava. Yeah. Oh, he's given the potion that and gives he, you nightmares forever. And he gets the mind control at yeah. one point. Like That's it's, crazy. There's so much magic in that Well, maybe movie. that was just science. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it was just India science or something. <laughs> oh. now, now you've done it. But no, okay, we're out of time. So back to the future. This has been Indiana Jones. No, Back to the Future, but uh, yes. honestly, we're going to end up doing a single episode for each of these movies Probably. eventually. So we're going to try and stick as best we can to Back to the Future I'm 1. I'm sure we're going to weave into the other two as we go. But Absolutely. Yes, I would like to stick to it. And I would actually like to stick to our format of following the plot line of the movie as sure, we go. Sure, I would imagine most people have seen this. We'll, we'll warn spoilers ahead of time. Mm. But, uh, but oh, if you're s- spoiled on Back to the Future, yeah, like, like you were wrong to begin with. Go yeah. watch it and then listen to us. Exactly. Seriously, like go watch it. Uh, I remember renting this movie so many times as a kid yep when movie rentals were a thing i rented this <laughs> movie so over and over like all the time i loved this movie. i loved the whole trilogy actually as a kid i watched them all but this one i think was the one i watched the most uh, see two was that for me two i like because it's my it's my favorite time travel movie uh, i would because actually it utilizes more time travel there's oh, yeah. like five different biffs oh yeah but one is really the one that's just completely solid it's objectively the best i truly think this is one of the tightliest written movies Absolutely. i've ever seen uh, and that's really what I want to talk, speak to uh, on this episode. Uh, my personal agenda here today is to talk about how this movie is the most prime example, I think, of show, don't tell. Yes. Which is a rule of movies because you have a medium where you can show. You don't have to tell. A Every movie other movie. You have to tell. Mm. You can show. So that's a movie movie. A movie Absolutely. that really takes advantage of And what's of that. worse when a character just starts... Just spouting exposition. Yeah. Well, we talked and, and about this boring. on the last episode. Yeah, with uh, War, of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. There's a, a moment where they meet a news anchor, and she's literally just an exposition machine. Just explaining. Uh, in and out of the plot real quick. Yep. It's almost like they forgot it and just band-aided that on. Yeah. And, so that's, and that's also, too, what I think is so important about a movie like Back to the Future is... It was blessed to have Zemeckis as a director. Yes. Um, it's such a creatively directed trilogy. That's one of the reasons I really like it. You know, there's split screen action. There's people sharing the screen space with themselves. There's yeah. wacky special spe- effects, and it's very creative. But none of that would mean shit if it didn't have a very, very, very good script. Oh, yeah. And this is a script that... Time travel movies are tough because there's no way to do it without a plot hole. It's right. impossible. Impossible. And um, it... it you know they they did the absolute best you can do. I think so. Yeah. They they avoid uh the it in the way Steven Spielberg avoids you and I mean he he produced this movie in the way he avoids you being like why the fuck 
is there a cliff on the other side of that fence? There was hmm. just a T-Rex walking over there because it's just such an exciting scene in Jurassic Park that you don't even... You, you don't just, care. Your brain doesn't even like process that. And that's, that's a movie movie once again. Same, it brings you in. And it's the same uh. thing, Back to the Future. You, sort of, you just don't even question hmm. the weird little plot holes that do come up as it goes on hmm. uh, because it's just so entertaining. Otherwise, it's more fun to just run with it. Absolutely. And, and let it be what it is and let it tell the story it's telling you. And it is fun. That's a, a very playful movie. They, it's, it's insane that the implications of erasing your own existence are on the palette here, yeah. because it's such an easy to take down movie. It's, it's, it's fun. It's beautiful to look at. It's visually stunning, and it's, yeah. it's just a good story. Oh, it's so fun. Well, should we get into it? Let's get into let's it. Get let's get into let's it. Open. So the movie Back to the Future. It has one of my favorite openings, hmm. uh, and not because it's so fun or so action packed or anything like that. It's actually a very quiet opening for well, the most part. Well, it's not Except too you quiet. Get that one real loud moment. You right get the, the power end. of love, which Bam, according bam, to bam, Huey Lewis bam, himself bam. is just too damn loud. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the opening uh, is a long tracking shot through what we find out is Doc Brown's apartment, office. He lives there. It's mm. not clear necessarily what it is. Uh, it's his laboratory. His laboratory, yes. Yeah. And scattered throughout his laboratory, the opening shot, are clocks. Mm. Tons of clocks, all ticking, ticking, ticking. And so immediately this movie opens with what you'll find out is just like, hey, we're really, we've been really smart in this script about illustrating all of our themes mm. as clearly as possible. Uh, and one of them being time and time travel. They talk about and it all the time. And that has a secondary function, too, because we do find that... You know, uh, Doc has been working on a time machine that is Back to the Future. This crazy scientist man would be working on a time machine and probably would be hanging up clocks all over his room and looking at him and obsessing over time. And just that visual says all of that about that character yep. without actually saying it. Like, we know Doc and we haven't even met him yet. Yes, exactly. You know, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, and they give you, like, some Pee Wee Herman style, like, oh, yeah. uh, machines that he's <laughs> built. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rube so Goldberg. Rube, yeah, Rube a bunch Goldberg. Of, bunch of old Rube Goldberg machines. Rube Goldberg machines. Laboratory. Um, uh, Not so to be confused with Bill Goldberg machines, which wrestle you. <laughs> Sorry. Or the new um, uh, television show coming out, The Goldbergs. The Goldbergs. Uh, That's just a poor machine. <laughs> it's just gonna. Ugh. I was really disappointed. The kid from D two, the Mighty Ducks, that played Goldberg, Keenan Thompson, I believe, is his name. Nope. Wrong. No, no, no. Keenan Thompson was the knuckle puck. Yeah. Kid. Uh, Goldberg is the bigger goalie guy, right? Yeah. I was really uh, disappointed he wasn't he gonna be on that show. Time. Yep. Uh, okay, so moving on. Uh, <laughs> he should be on that show. <laughs> he should be. <laughs> That's funny. He fits right in. Uh, <laughs> and he kind of looks like Jeff. Uh, what's his name? Oh, God, I can't think From of Curb, it. whatever. Uh, Garland. Jeff Garland, yeah. Uh, okay, so I wrote some things down from this opening scene <laughs> because uh, it, this is always what I remember about this movie. It gives you all the exposition it mm. needs to give you without ever having someone just talk at you. A little bit, but not. It, it's, all, it, it, it's all driven by the plot. Mm. Like, they do a really good job of just, like, as the exposition comes out, it's happening inside the plot line. It doesn't feel like somebody's just been like, oh, and by the way, here we are to explain uh, the mechanics of time travel. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, they never get into that. Well, they we do, know it, too. We see in... he's a skateboarder, which yes. in 1985, which is, I, th I believe this movie did come out in 1985. Yes. Um that was like a new thing. Yeah. And like only the little rock and roll kids would skateboard and that's yep. that's who he is. Yeah. And he hasn't said a word. No, nothing yet. Yeah. And actually so what so here's some of the things that happen before Marty even gets introduced okay, to the sorry. movie. This is before Marty even walks through that door. Uh, as the camera's panning around looking at the clocks and the little machines that are happening in in his laboratory, 
there is a headline on a newspaper that says Brown Estate Burns. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so we eventually see that estate in 1955, uh, and we don't know what happens, but obviously he's not in that estate anymore. He's in this tiny little shithole laboratory. Mm. So boom, right there, we have all the story we need about what happens to Doc between 1955 and 1985. Mm -hmm. Right? It's all right there in front of us. Absolutely. Then we hear a news report on a TV that's playing about some stolen plutonium and some suspected Libyan terrorists that may have stolen this plutonium, uh, which gives us a bunch of information that we're going to need 10 minutes into the movie that now they don't have to explain because we have it. Mm. Uh, And then as the cat, and it's a long tracking shot. It's actually pretty beautiful. As it's panning around, you're hearing the news report, you're seeing the newspaper headlines. We see underneath Doc Brown's bed is a case of stolen plutonium. Uh Uh-oh, what's he getting into? Boom, right there. Opening two minutes of the movie, we get all of the exposition we need for the first act of the movie. And nothing has even been said. Nothing's been it's said It's literally yet. just been shown. They haven't even introduced any of the characters mm-hmm. to the movie yet. But They're, the thing is, we do know Doc at this point. Right. You know, we know what he's into. We right. know how he is. We know he's... We can see how he's a he's a typical mad scientist. Yes. But but we now we're going to learn to love him. So keep exactly. going. Yeah. Uh, this so then uh Marty plays good. Marty comes in, mm. right? And so when he comes in, first thing he does is kick his skateboard up. So boom, we get the skateboard which plays prominently throughout the movie. He's a rock and roller. He's a He's rock that and guy. roller, yep. Uh, I believe he, he has sunglasses. He has sunglasses on. He has the on. cool sunglasses. He has the cool sunglasses The on. 80s sunglasses. Got the jean jacket on. He's wearing all denim pretty much. Oh, yeah. Much. Little uh, Canadian tuxedo. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and then he walks in, and for some reason, oh, Doc so cool. Brown has an enormous amplifier. Well, because he's cool he's electric guitar. That guy. Yeah. He would. That's why we like him. He yeah. might have stolen plutonium, but he also, you know, plays, plays a little rock and roll. He hangs out with yeah. Marty and likes rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So Marty <laughs> walks in. He turns this amp on. The amp blows him away into this shelf. Funny, yep. funny, haha. Uh, and boom, right there we get Marty is a guitar player, which again figures prominently because it's not just that we ne- we don't just need to know that Marty's a guitar player, mm. which does figure prominently two more times in the movie. We need to know that he's a guitar player so that we can introduce one of the other themes of the movie, which is that uh, he couldn't face rejection. Mm-hmm. He's afraid of rejection, which is a theme about him and about his father. Mm. Uh, and we don't get that unless we get that Marty's a guitar player. So we're introducing a lot of elements right off the bat that become very significant plot points as the movie goes Absolutely. on. Absolutely, and they would take forever to explain. Yeah, but they take you know a pre credit sequence. Oh yeah, pre credit sequence <laughs> to to show. Yes, it's lean, it's mean, but it's information rich. Yep, and. That's that's very creative. And, you know, that actually, that's a credit to Zemeckis, too, mm-hmm. because, you know, the script only says so much. And to show us all of that and to composite it in a way that we, we're drawn in, you know, like yeah. at the beginning of a movie, that's not a time that people want to go, I want to learn things. They're yeah. sitting back. They're watching a movie. This is very, uh, it dr- it's accessible. Mm-hmm. So it's entertaining to watch. Yeah. And you're getting the information without even knowing it. Yeah, you yeah. know, you're you're just kind of getting fitted. It's awesome. There's also a quick moment where Marty walks inside, and you're just like, "What's going on? Is this where this kid lives? Is this his stuff? Is mm. it?" Because we have no reference for a Doc Brown yet. Mm. We just have seen the laboratory, and then this kid walks inside using the keys uh, until he blows himself away with the speaker, and then the phone rings, and Doc Brown's on the other line, and he. References the thing that was funny to me about that is he references the experiment he's doing. Mm. All the clocks go off at the same time, and Marty's like, "Jesus, Doc, what the hell is that?" And he's like, uh, "Oh, perfect. Are those all my clocks going off?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "What time does it say?" He's like, "8 a.m." He's like, "Perfect. That means my experiment worked. They're all 25 minutes behind." <laughs> what experiment was he doing? He was doing some time travel. Was he? What? What was well, he doing? I, I don't know what he. Uh, 
So that that's got to suggest something. That's something that I've had trouble with because it's played for humor. Yeah. But I feel like that means that perhaps uh, Doc has used the time but if time we've machine. Already, maybe because but if we've already. We, what we see later is he sends Einstein through mm. time, and he claims it's his. He's the first time traveler, mm. so that means Doc has not used the machine before. Mm. Uh, and we see that the Einstein's clock is a minute behind when he gets back, but that's because Einstein just went through time. Mm. So is his apartment one big time travel machine that just traveled through time right before Marty walked through the door, and that's how they all got twenty five? I'm thinking late? in terms of where where Doc Brown's calling from, right? Um, but he didn't. He, I, I got to do the math. He oh. couldn't have time traveled though, because he says Einstein's the first time traveler. I mean, he could just be lying. That's true. Yeah, he could just be making stuff up because he's a mad he scientist. Does, I laughed at one point. He goes, when they're, uh, this is, we're jumping a couple scenes, but when they're in the parking lot and they're trying the machine out for the first time, uh. he goes, if my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit, <laughs> which is a great line. But he, he has Marty and himself standing in front of right the path of, of the car. Which is an iconic says, shot, too. If my calculations are correct. Yep. Well, that's one of the interesting things about Doc Brown as a character is that he constantly says, this is the way it has to be, yeah. and he cannot help himself but to yeah, just break the rules a little yeah. bit. I mean, that's essentially what saves his life. Yep. He cannot read that letter. We'll get there. Yeah, but, but he uh, breaks the rules. He, he breaks the he rules. You know, to, yeah. You're not supposed to fuck with time travel. But he's too, but he may he's too interested in, in I wanna, that. Uh, I want to sit down and do the math on that because now I'm starting to think of a theory uh, and that's another thing with this movie yeah. is now that you know thirty years have passed. Oh, and I've seen it so many it's, times. Uh, everyone has a theory, but maybe Doc started early. I don't know. Let's get <laughs> into that later. Fair. So after uh, his apartment, we I believe jump to uh, oh Marty tells I'm sorry Doc tells Marty you got to meet me at Twin Pines Mall at one fifteen, mm. and he references the name Twin Pines Mall, which is very important twice. Okay, he that's a great twice. joke too. It's a great yeah. joke because that and we'll we'll get to that later. There's a very good joke. <laughs> Just related change the to name that. of the show. We'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> Every episode's going to be four hours of me and Garrett saying we'll we, get to that later. Should, well, the, we we're too excited. Out, like, should we just talk about the thing we're going to talk about, or should we get there in the plot line? Let's 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 just keep going. I think get there in the <laughs> plot line is the thing that makes sense. What do you uh, at home think? Please so, send yeah, us an email. Us tweet should us we, at yeah. I like to. Is movie. it annoying when we say we'll get to that later? <laughs> do we always get to it later? Should we well, change the name? Let's tell the jokes that yes. we know. Okay. The name of so, the of well, the here, mall. I've got details to get okay. this going. Okay, so cool, you've got cool. the Twin Pines Mall, right? Mm. He references that twice in the phone conversation that he has. And then they get to the Twin Pines Mall, and we see the, oh, the sign, sign yeah. for Twin Pine Mall. And, by the way, it's got a clock got a little, underneath oh, nice. it as well. And it's got the two trees. It's got the two yeah. trees. Uh, then when they're standing at the in the mall parking lot, for some reason Doc explains. And again, this is this is great. This is exposition that honestly is not even necessary, but they give it to us within the plot line mm. so that it doesn't feel like exposition. Uh, Doc is talking about uh, like. Uh, if he he's talking about being in 1955, he says like that's when he invented the concept of time travel, and he's mm. like, I remember this whole mall parking lot was a big field owned by old man Peabody. Yeah, and he goes, he had some crazy idea about cloning pines, breeding pines. That's what he said. He goes, he had some crazy idea about breeding pines, and then he just looks off camera for a second, and then shakes his head and turns back around and like launches back into talking about time travel. That's awesome. So he references this idea of breeding pines, yeah, which yeah. is how we get the idea of. Twin Pines, right? Yeah. So then Marty actually travels back to 1955, drives into Old Man Peabody's barn, and scares that's, that's the That's one rule of time travel that applies to this movie I think we should establish. Yep. The first rule of time travel is wherever their car disappears, that's the exact location yes. that it reappears. Yes. 
in the past. Yes. And that's important to this joke, too. Because yeah, where Marty appears coming off the parking lot of Twin Pines Mall... Is Old Man Peabody's farm. Yes. He runs into his barn with the car, scares the shit out of his family, and then escapes from the barn in the car. And as he's flying through the field in the car, you see two pines yep. at the end of their driveway, and he runs one over, crushing <laughs> it. Now... When you first see the movie, you think nothing of it. Nothing you know, of it. it in fact, it wasn't until someone pointed out that yes. gag to me that exactly. I had ever I noticed notice in the years. Myself. Yeah. Uh, then at the end of the movie, when Marty finally travels back to 1985 and rushes to the mall to try and save Doc from what's about to happen to him, he approaches the mall and we see the exact same sign and it now says Lone Pine Mall and there's a picture of one pine tree. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. That, uh, I, you know, you got to wonder if... if <laughs> Poor Peabody. Yeah. He was destroyed. He could have had a nice Christmas tree farm yep. or whatever he was trying to do with it, yep. a nice plot of forest land. And within 30 years, it's yes. a it's a beautiful mall. And it's all Marty McFly's fault. Yes. He's he's a, he's an unspoken of victim of this movie, Mr. Oh, Peabody. Goodness, yeah. His life was completely ruined by Marty. That's well, his, his family was visited by aliens as well, yes. like as far as he's concerned. they really, And that's a great gag, too, and something that's used to great effect throughout the movie. Yeah. Is that in the fifties? One of, and it's it speaks to the that time in the fifties. People were afraid of uh, uh, communism. Yes, and they were afraid of the Red Scare and yes. all that. And the movies of the time all reflected that. Yeah, you know, they all had that theme. Um, even if it was like uh, I know the author of Invasion of the Body Snatchers denied that it was supposed to right. be about that, but he said at the time things were just informed by that. Yeah. The way. Fucking Elysium, like I was saying, is cultural informed zeitgeist. by our time now. It's, yeah. it's a cultural zeitgeist thing. And so it's very funny how useful and how comical Marty's appearance from the future, everyone's reaction is alien. Yeah. You know, it's he uses that alien to great effect. He, t- he takes advantage but of it. But the Peabody's do think he's an alien. It's a great gag. Yeah. Uh, I believe a shotgun is drawn. Yes, yes. And he yells and Marty freaks out. Yep. And it's great shit. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, so anyway, that and that's... That's the point, though, is that this is that kind of movie. Like, there, I j- this was the first time, like, I knew about that joke. Like, mm. I, I read about it a couple years ago on the internet. Yeah, I've seen same. the movie a couple times since then. But as I was really paying attention this time, it was the first time I noticed the joke where Doc Brown says, he had some crazy idea about breeding pines. <laughs> which is like, that's a great line, but you only get that line if you overall get the whole joke they make. And the joke they make is not televised. Yeah. Again, movie, movie. It's not televised. They show yeah, it to cool, you. That's cool because the movie's enjoyable 100% yep. without that joke. Yep. And so you get the rewatchability factor because you go back and there's a million of these little things that yeah. you don't get from your first view. Yep. So this is a movie that keeps giving. It's. I honestly, I started thinking about like Shaun of the Dead and Edgar Wright's movies. I was oh, like, yeah. he clearly was influenced by this kind of storytelling. Absolutely. Uh, you know you- who cites, uh, actually, uh, the uh, the first time my head got introduced to the idea of like, Oh wow! This is a really, really good trilogy. Was uh, Michelle Gondry oh, okay. said that his favorite trilogy ever was Back to the Future, yeah. and his reason was it's so creative. Yeah, and that's really where it's at. Like this isn't a movie that's phoned in. No, no, it's not interesting at all. because it seems like it was enjoyed to be made. Yeah, and and knowing that that uh, it almost wasn't Michael J. Fox. This is a common commonly known piece of trivia. They shot for two weeks with Eric Stoltz. Yes, in uh, Marty McFly and like. What's strange is with the script and the director, it still probably would have been good. Yep. But uh, this is something that's so iconic 
Uh, he got Peabodied out of uh, <laughs> Eric Stoltz. He was ruined by Michael J. Fox. Yes, yes. Because Michael J. Fox does something with this. Like, he will forever be Marty McFly no yes. matter what else he plays. Yep. And that's not to say he's limited as an actor, oh, but no, no, no. He, he does something with this role that makes him Marty so McFly charming. He turns Marty McFly into an icon. Absolutely, yeah. yeah it makes ridiculous. him iconic. Yeah. And it, it really, I've always said this, it, it does remind me, Marty McFly is a cowboy. Yeah. And I cannot picture Eric Stoltz playing a cowboy. I agree. But Michael J. Fox pulls it off. Yeah, in, you really know, well. All, and then eventually, literally, in the third one. But he yeah. really is. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, continuing with the plot line. So, we move from... Then Marty, I think, like goes home. Or maybe he goes to school. That's what it is. He goes to school. Mm. And on his way to school, he's like sketching behind a car on a skateboard, which is like real badass, you know. Mm. Uh, he passes signs for Mayor Goldie. Mm -hmm. uh, elect Mayor Goldie. So we now we introduce another concept that will come up later in the movie. Yep. The idea of this black mayor of the town that they live in. And these are great jokes because we've used this term before, like, you know, when they earn something yes. in the plot. It's a lot of fun when they work to earn their punchlines. Yes. And I think that's something we can both attest to as, oh, yeah. as comics outside of movie lovers is, you know, a good punchline is absolutely nothing without a good setup. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's literally nothing. Yep. And so this is great that they're giving us all these little setups to these great gags. and mm -hmm. But they world build, too. You yes. know, and it's, it's beautiful. Oh, it's fantastic. They're earning these, these jokes. Uh, and so, uh, oh, okay. So, he gets, so you see the ad for the, um, the mayor. And then I believe you also see a reference to the clock tower. Mm -hmm. There's a woman standing outside saying, uh, or this might happen like a scene later, but it's another thing they introduce right away is a woman saying, uh, save the clock tower, like donate to this uh, program that we're running because the clock tower was struck by lightning 30 years ago uh, and they've never fixed it. We need to restore it. I think it's restore the clock tower. We need mm. to restore it. So boom, we get the idea of the clock tower, which plays a significant role later in the film. Mm. We get the idea that it was struck by lightning on a very specific date later, which plays very significantly later mm. in the film. It's good knowledge for Marty to have. All these little elements and they do it without exposition. Yep. It's a woman handing out a flyer. Yep. It's all it is. But it gives us a ton of information. That How we much will more need later. effective is that instead of having, say, like the War of the Worlds newscaster yes. come in and be like, well, 50 years ago, yeah. or no, sorry, uh, 30 years ago, the uh, clock tower was struck by blah, blah, is nothing. It's a character that has one line, essentially. And she's got a reason to be saying what she's saying. Absolutely. They need, they're need they restoring the clock tower. It hasn't been fixed in 30 years. I'm here to hand out flyers. She's not there to deliver. She is there to deliver that information to us, the audience. She's not there to deliver it to our characters. You know, she's not like But just in a way she is, too, because that's information that Marty's able to oh, yeah. use. Yeah. Yep. And it's good that he has. But she's delivering it out of her own plot line. Like that character has oh, her yeah. own plot line that she she's enacting, right? Mm. Uh, and so it's like forward movement in the plot as opposed to And I think to it like effectively, effectively characterizes the clock tower. Yes. In that this is a centerpiece of their yes. town. It always has been. Yep. You know, I mean, even in the third one and they're in the Old West, the clock tower clock plays tower. a part. You know, yep. it's all this clock tower is very, very culturally important. And then we find, you know, it's also very important across the time frame. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, ah. So then they go to school, right? And so Marty gets to school, meets Jennifer's girlfriend, who we, we need to know, but she ends up not being that important yeah, in the say, plot. And don't remember her because she becomes Elizabeth Shue in the second one. That's the thing, she's I know. She's a completely different woman. Yep. Uh, and so he sees Strickland, the, yes. uh, the principal of the high school. And Slacker! I noticed, I noticed a very interesting line. There's a bunch of good lines here that do come to play later. Because, mm -hmm. again, this whole, this whole movie is about basically like... Um, like a, almost like a greeting card, like it folds in on itself. You okay. know what I mean? Like that's what this whole movie is about, that Marty is more of a mirror of his father than he Absolutely. realizes, you know? Mm. Uh, and so then the time periods also mirror each other as well, which is sort of what we're getting into here. All the things that Dan and I are talking about that they're introducing come back into play later in the movie 
pretty much as an exact opposite of itself or a mirror and we'll, of itself. And we'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get to that later. Uh, but so Strickland says a bunch of things that come into play later. Yep. Uh, he says you're a slacker. Uh, he says your father was the same way. He was like an empty-headed slacker. Mm. Uh, he says something else. Oh, you'll never amount to anything. Yeah, he says like no McFly has ever amounted, amounted to, to anything. anything. Yeah. This yes. is another thing he says. He says uh, as Strickland walks away, Marty says history is going to change, Jennifer. Nice. Cause, referring to like he's yeah. not going to grow up to be his old man. He's going to be he's the gonna one that changes it. History is going to change. That's such Jennifer. a youthful, rebellious thought to have. Yes. It captures perfectly. Yep. Oh man, I'm glad you watched this. And today. he also changes history. Yeah, I mean, and he, he literally, literally goes changes back in time history. To yeah. History. <laughs> That's so. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. And these are, oh man. There's probably a million puns throughout this whole script. Oh yeah, it's it's unreal. It's, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, and so then Marty has to. Then the next thing is Marty has to audition his band uh-huh. for the upcoming school talent show or dance. To or... President, uh, sorry, pr- uh, Principal Huey Lewis. Yep, Principal Huey Lewis. And what I love Huey is Lewis they're the they're playing a Huey Lewis in the yes. news song, and he he says uh, it's just too loud. Yeah, which says two things for me. One, it, it shows you know how cool Huey Lewis is. And two, it shows that Huey Lewis is making is capable of making music that's so good oh, yeah. that even Huey Lewis can't handle it. That's brilliant. That's I also, brilliant. I like the idea that it also introduces a concept to Back to the Future that no one really talks about, but is that Marty apparently is able to imitate all kinds yeah. of rock and roll voices. Everything. Uh, because the beginning of the Back movie, and it's something I don't think I've ever, I'm sure this happens in other movies, but I've never, it's, this is the only movie I can think of that I recognize it happening in. Uh, the opening of the movie is this song the whole time. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got to get back in time. It's this Huey Lewis song. And then, and there's like 10 minutes of movie that happen while that song is periodically being brought back into like being played underneath what's happening. Yeah. yeah. It's like 10 minutes of the movie. It just keeps getting brought back in yeah. underneath, underneath, underneath. And then we finally get to Marty playing with his band and they're playing the song that's yep. been playing over the last 10 minutes of the movie, which implies that we've actually, this scene has been occurring concurrently almost, yep. you know what I mean? In the storytelling. And, uh, and Principal Huey Lewis has been sitting there for 10 minutes, unable to, this, to handle it. Listening to this 17-year-old white kid reproduce his voice, like, perfectly, you know? Uh, now, to clarify for those who haven't seen it, Huey Lewis does not play himself. Right, yeah, It's yeah, just yeah. a gag. It's a casting gag for yep. fun. It's yep. great. Yeah, it's very funny. Uh, and then later in the movie, he's able to imitate, I believe, Chuck Berry's voice. Chuck Berry. And playing Johnny B. Good. Uh so, He's a. Uh, it's he has the he has the same superpower as Ferris Bueller, yes. who can become uh, John Lennon exactly and sing "Twist and Shout" as John Lennon exactly. You know, it's it's the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so I always love that that he's playing the song that's already been playing yeah. throughout the movie. I don't think I can think of another movie where that like happens. I can think of one thing where it's it's kind of like that. They did it in one of the Crank movies. It's this insane song in the background. Yeah. And it goes on through a whole action scene. And then Jason Statham's driving and he turns down his radio. Oh, yeah. And yeah. The, the, the score comes down right. with it. And you're like, oh, it wasn't the score. He uh-huh. was listening to this while he was fighting electricity or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was he had to do. And uh, <laughs> saving, you know, things fast. Saving things fastly. Which he'll do in the next uh, Fast and the Furious movie. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> He's going to do it furiously He's and fastly. Hey, you know who they announced is going to be in that, by the way? No. no. Uh, Tony Ja. What? Long oh, Bach, finally. Protector. Yeah. He's he's, he was like it. away from movies forever. I didn't yeah. hear that. That's yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Uh, anyway, a little movie news for you. Yeah. Uh, so, ben Affleck's uh, Batman. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Okay. Uh, <laughs> they announced a new Back to the Future with Zac Efron. No, I, don't, I think that went to pass. Did you yeah, hear that, about that? They were um, going to do that a while ago. I heard about that, but apparently... Uh, 
like the makers of it, I don't know who has the rights to Back to the Future, is refusing good. to do it. Thank and God. that's a good thing. Uh, also, I realized watching Back to the Future again today, you couldn't remake that movie today. There's too many like rapes. I mean, yeah. one thing, I mean, there's literally at the end, you pretty much watch Biff, Biff like, attempt a rapist, to rape her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of swearing. There's a lot, a lot of, of there's a lot of talk of like drinking and doing drugs in it. Actually, yep. uh, you just couldn't remake this movie today and have it be the same. They would, it wouldn't they be would good. cut all that stuff out. And I don't think the time frame would work. No, not at all. Um, because if they went back 30 years now, they'd be going back to 1985. 1985. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it would just. Now that would be a great way to sequelize it. Have somebody go back to 1985 and fuck with present day, quote oh, unquote. That would be interesting. McFly's, but oh, that would be really interesting. You couldn't really get. Uh, yeah. You can't really uh, hold down uh, Michael J. Fox for that role, or, yeah, yeah, or physically true. even. He's kind of <laughs> kind of ample. Uh, but, uh, so, uh, <laughs> the, oh, okay, so he auditions his band. He says it's too loud. He doesn't get in. Mm. And then he's talking with Jennifer as he's walking uh, back home. And he said he has a line that comes up again. I just don't think I can handle that kind of rejection, mm-hmm. right? He's like really afraid, like, and he gets rejected, and he's saying like, I don't think I got to stop playing. He says I got to quit playing music. I think I'm done playing in the band because I can't take this kind of rejection, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that is like a theme in his father's life that is that will become a theme in his life if he's not careful. And it should be mentioned. I I don't know. No, I guess they haven't established that uh, his father, brilliantly played by. Personal Crispin favorite, Glover. Crispin Holy Glover. Shit, he's so good in this. Uh, he's a failed author. Yeah. He's a failed author who just kind of writes like textbooks, I believe. Yep. Does like copy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, and so he is just this excessive failure. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the idea of his character. But I wrote this other line down. And I don't exactly remember when Marty says this, but he's talking about his mother. Oh, he's talking about her to Jennifer. Uh, and he's saying like, hey, I'm not going to be able to tell her we're taking the car to go to the lake tomorrow. She has to think it's something else. Okay. And she's like, she, Jennifer says something like, geez, Marty, like, you know, wasn't your mother ever a, ever a teenager? Yeah. And, he, and he goes, I don't think my mother ever drank. I don't think she ever smoked. I think my mother grew up a nun. His mother was a whore. Which you find out <laughs> is his mother was, as actually Crack.com brilliantly pointed out in a very funny video you should all look up. Marty's mother is a danger slut. Yeah. That's what Marty's mother is, like, to a T. She's, she's a light rapist. Yeah. She's basically a rapist that just couldn't get away with it no matter how hard she tried. She, I mean, she literally attempts to rape her own son three different times yeah. in this movie. I just watched it today. Three different times. <laughs> That's so crazy. But that also speaks to the uh, uh, the, the classic... Uh, no, I can't think of it. Oedipal. Oedipal, yeah, the classic Oedipal theme. Yep. You know, that is a thing that heroes often have. Yeah. Uh, so then we get, uh, oh, this is when the save the clock tower things ha- thing happens. He gets this flyer. Mm-hmm. Jennifer writes her phone number on the back, which mm-hmm. becomes important later as well. Absolutely. Uh, again, all this exposition, not, none of it feels like exposition. Mm-hmm. They're setting up all the details we need for this plot to move forward as it goes on. This is still like the first 10 minutes of the movie. You get Biff and his dad's relationship. Yep. So he gets home. Biff, who is one of the best film villains. Oh my god! Because he's he is he's a dickhead. Yep. He's purely evil. Yep. But he's such a lovable dumb fuck. Yes. That he that you know he he never seems that threatening. He's yeah. just kind of stupid, and yep. it's great. Except when he tries to rape Marty's mom. Yeah. But even then, like, <laughs> but even then, no. Uh, but, this but is a world of his, rapists we live in. Even then, his weak little father is able to knock him out. Yeah, and he he plays like just. He doesn't play it as a rape. That's how this gets away with all that rape stuff. I know, it's I not know. played as a yeah. rapist. It's played as like, you know, hey, this girl's not putting out. I'm gonna go away, hey, rub her up, and like, you know, it's it's classic '50s trope of this bully. Well, there, there is a line. Hey. There's a line in the cafeteria when uh, Marty is first trying to get George to go over and talk to Lorraine. He's like, you should go ask her to the dance. And George looks over and he goes, I think she might want to go with somebody else. And Marty turns around to see Biff, 
literally grabbing at her tits. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And she's going, stop it. Get off me. Get off me. And he goes, I know you want it, and I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. That's the rapiest thing I've ever heard in a movie. Well, in the 50s, though, too. I mean, that was before you know the, the women's rights yeah. movements was in full oh, swing. It, it fits so in it with the, fits, you it, know? it fits in with the time period they're illustrating. It's just funny because they would never get away with that in a movie today. That oh, never. It's a PG-rated movie intended for children. Yep, and it just plays to that 50s image. Yep. It's, it almost seems quaint yeah. when you look at it, and really it's disgusting it's horrible it's it's absolutely awful (laughs) it's horrible uh but so you introduced to biff and his dad's relationship Mm. biff is there biff literally so it's one of the first repeated things that happens in the movie it happens very quickly next to each other biff says to george he says uh did you write those reports for me Mm. and he says oh i didn't quite get to it yet and he's like well you better get to them tonight because i gotta have time to rewrite them in my own handwriting what do you think would happen to me if I turned them in in your handwriting? I'd lose my job, and you wouldn't want me to lose my job, would you, George? Hello, hello, yeah. and he hello. knocks on his head. Uh, that line is repeated literally 10 minutes yeah. later when Marty first encounters George McFly and Biff again in 1955, and he has the exact same word-for-word conversation except reports is replaced with the word homework. Yep. Otherwise, it is word-for-word the exact same speech. Exact same thing. So, And that's an important uh, distinction we should make in the in the present-day 1985. Uh, George McFly works for, for Biff. Biff. Yep. He's still subordinate to him. Yep. And that's so interesting to me, too, uh, as someone who moved out of my hometown. Yeah. There's a lot of people that stuck around. Yeah. And in... Uh, that that's just a, a funny thing like uh in 1955 it just seems like people would just stick around hill valley which is a great joke in of itself yeah yeah hill valley yeah it makes no sense that's totally true. I didn't it even doesn't that. even exist really yeah. a hill valley is flatland <laughs> and uh but it's great yeah. oh i love that gag yeah. uh and actually when he uh, when he first arrives back home one of the shots you get they uh, it's a very deliberate shot the camera pans around as Marty's skateboarding into his neighborhood, mm. and there are these two big stone statues at the end of his block that say Lion Estates, mm-hmm. and they're like there's like spray paint on them and stuff. So you know that now Hill Valley is actually kind of a shittier place to live. Like, it's really gone downhill. Yeah, it happens in... I mean, everywhere. Yeah. Actually, I'd say around here, Maniunk yeah. was in like the 50s. Uh, it was like, uh, you know, it was like a nice, quaint little yep, yep. town of, of row homes and, and it fun. Just, it falls apart. And it's a, it's a college town now. Yep. It's a little bit cheaper to live in. Yep. And so it's just different. Yeah. And uh, actually, Grand Torino does a great job of depicting that exact oh, cool. uh, social effect. Yeah. But yeah, and they, they, they tackled that there. It's just in its earlier stages of it because it's yep. 85. Well, and the reason that they show you that is then when Marty gets to 1955, he tries to drive back to his house, and you see the exact same two stone statues that say Lion Estates, but there's an unpaved dirt road and just cornfield yep. beyond it because they've just begun building Lion Estates. So again, very subtle storytelling. They give you these big stone blocks that are like a, a conic enough image that when he gets back to them in 1955, you remember what that is. You didn't. Mm-hmm. Ha- he, no one ever had to say, "I'm from Lyon Estates. Yeah. That's where I live." Oh Frank my gosh, Lyon, pleased to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's no houses in Lyon Estates yeah. anymore. You know, like it's gonna take like 30 years to build a Lyon Estates the way we wanna. Exactly. We'll probably be done by yeah, say 1985. <laughs> Like, ah, I don't know. Exactly. But Uh, none of that. So they don't have to say any of that. They give you just an iconic enough image that you can, it it, it works as like a pin right there. You know what I mean? Like, remember this? Do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going stand up for him. And uh, they, uh, uh, so he gets home and what you get to see is Marty's family life now, which I always forget how shitty his family life is. His brother's uh, 
like, uh, to, you know, he's not in jail, but his he's like uncles a, in jail. Uncles in jail. Uncle Joey's in jail, which uh, is important. They which reference is, an uncle. Joey's I love in the jail. cake too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 It says like a welcome, welcome home, Uncle Joey, or yeah. something like that. But it's like a prison it's picture. A, it's, it's like a like, bird <laughs> flying out of a cell, yeah. like a cage. And it's not at all inspiring. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's shitty. Yeah. Uh, and like his sister and his brother are clearly just like. Good for nothings, you know, like mm. they, they just they don't seem to. And they have like this shitty old TV and they're all sitting around like eating terrible food. They're just unmotivated. The television. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're not, they're slackers. Yep. Is, they're, know, they're slackers. They're, they as are. Strickland loves to call McFly's. Yep. McFly's are slackers. And he's right. Yep. And they are. Uh, and there is. Uh, oh, and there's a line before Biff leaves where he says, uh, what are you looking at? Butthead. Butthead. Which, again, is just a line that comes up in yep. that one doesn't serve any purpose i believe when i first saw this movie it was my first exposure to the phrase butthead yeah yeah, because i remember repeating it as a child my mom was like no it was either that or home alone people that because doesn't doesn't brother call him butthead a bunch Uh, of times oh yeah actually uh buzz is very similar in my memory banks to biff yeah yeah buzz is very much just a different version of that same character yes uh, so there's a line in this scene where his mom says, uh, she goes, she goes, I don't like that Lorraine. Cause her, her sister says, Oh, I'm not Lorraine. Lorraine's her name. Uh, Jennifer, his, uh, Marty's sister says, Hey, Jennifer called for you. And his mom comes out and goes, I don't like that. Jennifer girls calling boys. Yeah. Uh, uh, she goes, uh, 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 and she goes, girls chasing boys. Terrible. I never sat in a parked car with a boy. Uh Oh, which a little is, foreshadowing again, there. Exactly she what she sat in later. all the parked cars yes. and one with her little boy. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, she actually gross. has a line in that scene which I forgot where she says, uh, "They actually use the term parking a car as a sexual term." Yep. Yep. Mar- Marty's like, "Hey, do you mind if we uh, park for a minute?" And <laughs> she goes, "Sure, I'd like to park. Don't think this is my first time parking. I'm 17 <laughs> years old. I've parked before." That's so funny. Uh, so I love parking, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a what a yeah. She's. Uh, she's I'm gonna a, use that next time I go on a date. I'm like, you want to park? Yeah. Even though I don't even have a car, I'm like, no, no. You know what I mean? Let's park. <laughs> I go back to my apartment and have sex. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Uh, so there's another line in the scene that I really liked because again, these are all just foreshadowing things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And here's this was a great line of exposition that doesn't feel like exposition. Uh, she is telling the story of how her and their father met. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she says, like, my dad hit him with the car. Yep. Uh, he uh, And she she's like, what were you doing, George? You were bird watching, which comes into play later because yep. it turns out he was a peeping Tom. He was watching her through the window. It was meant to be. Yep. Uh, and the then time she stream says, says, if grandpa hadn't hit him with the car... None of you would have been born. Yep, and that's the Which is whole the thing. Plot line of Back to the Future. Yep, in a in a nutshell, Marty right there. Marty prevents his dad from getting hit by her father's car, and therefore they may not be born. That's he the whole plot of Back to the own Future. Existence. Yep, and they just gave it to you in like a little line that seems like it's part of the plot line. Yep, Fucking, that's and it, it. it seems like nothing because it seems like her just telling one of those stories, like yeah. oh, when me and your father met, like it's yeah. just one of those. But it's the story. Yes. It's the most important story. Yes. And honestly, if she uh, didn't say that to Marty, he would have been completely lost in 1955. Exactly. He would not exist. Exactly. 
so then they, they also bring up the enchantment under the sea dance. Mm. So they introduce another important plot element that has to come up a couple more times in the mm. movie. That there's this big dance coming up in 1955. <laughs> the enchantment under at. the sea dance. I, I want to know what the significance of yeah. that is. And I think that's something that has nothing. It, mu- it must just be the silliest name they could think of. And that's actually, like that. that could be a testament to smart script writing because that's something you remember too. Yeah. When you say the enchantment under the sea dance, yeah. it seems silly enough. It's funny, so it's light. Yeah. And you don't you're unaware that it is a main plot point. Right. And so that's yeah, that's probably perhaps why they picked that name. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh what uh I feel I, I suddenly realize I'm probably being annoying. I'm sitting here like, all right, Dan, the next scene. No, no, please keep going. <laughs> I just feel like our podcast might be longer than the movie. Uh but to pro- tell you the probably. truth, I'm perfectly okay with that's this. That's okay. We can, I can talk back to the future all diggity day. We're gonna get through some of the stuff quick because I didn't take notes on scenes that I was just like, Oh, okay, you know what I mean? Like Fair I enough. just th- No, I'm glad you did because I've had it movie. as my fall asleep movie yeah. all week because I haven't had a, a lick of time. Yeah. And uh it is uh I, this is good. Well, the begin and the other thing is the beginning of the movie what's, is what's so important to me. Absolutely. We've all seen this movie a hundred times. You and I probably don't even really have to get into what mm. happens over the course of Back to the Future. This is all the really smart script writing that I wanted to talk about Absolutely. that I think makes a, movie, is a movie. a movie movie. Exactly. So, oh, so then we get to the mall. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty much the next thing that happens. We get to the mall and we have all of the plot elements that they've been stirring together for us and introducing to us start to come to fruition. This is the first action. Yep. This is the absolute. This is like the. And we meet Doc Brown spark. for the first time. Yes, that's Which, true. Which, by the way, one of my favorite things in the movie is his performance as Doc Brown, Christopher Lloyd. Oh, he's brilliant, is, and that's iconic as well. And one of the things he does that I love is he just has these crazy facial reactions mm-hmm. to like everything. His introduction to the movie makes me laugh so hard. The DeLorean rolls out of this truck. And then the door slowly opens up and a bunch of steam comes out, right? And it's like the music's building and it's yeah. like really epic. You're like, here it is. This is the guy we've been waiting for. And he kind of like shambles out of the machine and looks up with a blank stare on his yeah. face and looks like left and right and then turns around as if he's scared to find Marty behind him. Because he's a madman. He's just a madman. He's it's... such a playfully mad scientist. Yeah. Interesting, interestingly enough, as a kid... Uh, as a testament to how iconic uh, Christopher Lloyd is in that performance, yeah. that was the first time I had ever seen him in Me anything. Too. And then, uh, as a young as a young lad, they we rented Suburban Commando, <laughs> the Hulk Hogan action flick. But Christopher Lloyd looks the way he looks walking down the street in that yeah. movie. And in my little kid brain, I thought like my because my mom was like, "That's you know the Doc Brown from yeah, Back yeah. to the Future." I was like, "Oh, they I, they made him look like this," and she was like, "No, no, they made him look like that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so just at that moment, I'll never forget that moment because it was the it occurred to me, you know, Doc Brown is such a real character. You yes. know, that's he's someone that I know, and he's not real. Yeah, yeah. That's that's so crazy. Uh, yeah. And then uh, so the plot line kicks in. You know, we mm. get uh, he. One of the things he ends up doing is he explains the flux capacitor to Marty. Mm. And this is the one. scene. It's very important flux capacitor because ext- I have a big theory about that. Okay, let's talk about it because it's the one scene in the movie that actually feels like exposition to me. Okay, it was the only time where it was like it didn't feel natural to the plot that Doc all of a sudden sat down to be like. Boy, because basically what he's doing is he's going, he's explaining the time machine, he's showing him how the time circuits work, and he's mm. like, we could go to, you know, uh, uh, I forget what he says, like, 30 years into the future. They introduce that concept, actually. He goes, yeah, we could yeah. go 30 years in the future, 2015. I've always wanted to know, what is the future going to be like? And he's like, we could go back to the birth of Christ. And he puts in December 25th, year zero, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. That's a good game. Uh, yeah. And then he goes, or we could go back to, he's like, this significant date. Like, he actually says this significant date, and he punches in November 5th, 1985. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, 
I remember that day. That was the day I invented the flux capacitor, the thing that makes time travel possible. It's the only oh, thing yeah. that doesn't feel totally natural to the plot. Well, line. I mean, it it also it can be used as a way to show like he's really really proud of this. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and Marty is kind of his only friend. It yeah, seems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would seem I I thought uh, I I never thought it felt unnatural because right. it seems like he's just you know gloating a little bit yeah, like yeah. that's how this all was made possible by yeah. me. Yeah. Genius Doc Brown. Yeah. No, you know they said I couldn't do it, but <laughs> here I am. It it plays very much like that, and yeah. I think also too that introduces what I've always said. It is such a fucking western because yeah. what does every good badass cowboy have? An ego problem and a sidekick who's yeah. just kind of weird, yeah. but really wants to do well. And they establish the two of them like that rather effectively. They do. You know, he plays into that. Uh, and so you get the explanation of the flux capacitor. Uh, you get the old man Peabody breeding yep. pine trees. Uh, and then, um, oh, okay. So he says when he's referencing going to the future, mm. he goes, uh, he goes, I'd love to go to 2015, right? I've always wanted to see the future. Plus, then I get to know who wins the World Series for the next yes. 25 years. And so, I believe... And here we go. We introduce a plot element that doesn't get used again in this movie. But in the second one. But becomes one. a very significant plot and element And that's actually a well-invested joke. Because in the second one, when Marty first arrives in the future, yes. he sees that the Cubs won the World Series. Yes. And he's like, Cubs won the World Series? And I forget who mentions it to him. He's like, yeah, they're you know, the fucking greatest yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, that's a joke payoff. That is well earned oh, yes. over the course of years, and I loved seeing that and like, yeah. hearing him say almanac. You know, he doesn't say sports almanac, but World Series wins over the next twenty mm-hmm. years. I was like, that's incredible. That sets up a plot line for two more movies. It plants the idea in your head that you know what you could do what you with could the do power with of the time power. travel. Exactly. Yeah, and that's with a the theme power with love. Doc too. Yeah, the power of love. Uh, he, uh, he's very. Uh, he, and that's a, a thing, like we said about Doc Brown, He he's very against the idea of time travel. Oh, yeah. He knows that it is ethically wrong, yes. and it's it's not it shouldn't be done, yep. and he just cannot fucking help himself. He has to. At all. He cannot help himself. He has to. He's too curious. Yeah. But that's why he's a good, sci- well, he's a good mad scientist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so he tells Marty, I'm going to go to the future. Right? Mm-hmm. He's like, that's what we're here to do tonight. And he gets him, like, he films him on a camera to say he's going to go to the future. They do a little experiment with Einstein. Right? I think they, all of my heroes are coming back. They're coming back. <laughs> in Marvel Alliance, yeah. <laughs> my iPad's going that's off. That's your helicarrier. <laughs> yep. Uh, and <laughs> so, uh, so he says he's going to go. Uh, oh, they send Einstein back for, like, a minute to prove that it works, right? And that's and the this, first establishing the of, 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 of the, uh, what's it called? Uh, the time fi- travel rules, too. Yes, yes. You know, it, it, it just lightly introduces us to it because that's you have to treat your time travel like a character yeah. and i think that's why i the flux capacitor to me is one of the main characters of of the whole series yeah um it really does my theory is that it's essentially kind of alive okay because um, it effectively fixes all of these small like it's the reason the picture can exist yeah yeah because if marty stopped that moment from happening he yeah. should immediately stop existing yeah yeah but that picture that represents that shows him and his uh, brother and sister disappearing yeah shows that there is a time limit on it and it's basically the worth of the flux capacitor strength yeah. keeping that in check you know that's it's totally true that's it keeps it alive it prevents everything from going bad yeah you know oh that's interesting i yeah. like that that's a really cool idea uh, so, uh, sorry, I keep doing, this is why I shouldn't have notes. No, I, I'm liking this. Well, right Doc, away. this is, we should establish that Doc gets shot here. Right. Oh, okay. So that's what happens. That's what I wanted to bring up. Mm. Marty has a really interesting line right before Doc gets shot. Okay. Doc is about to climb into the, he climbs into the time machine actually, says he's about to go to the future. And then he get, and then Marty says, 
Look me up when you get there. Oh, Which, nice. again, sets up the plot line for, for the next movie. Absolutely. Because that's what happens. He looks him up and he comes back. And it's what are my kids, kids turning into assholes? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, that's uh, so great. Oh, uh, it's so good. Oh, uh, so where you we're get, going. Again, so you get all these great little lines. All yep. these great like, We keep bringing it up. That's what it is. Uh, and so then, then Doc gets out of the time machine because he goes, oh, my God. What am I thinking? I didn't pack any uh, extra plutonium. How do I expect to get back? To the future. To that's the, future. the title of the movie. But that's also how we introduce, again, the plot line that we're about to get, which is yep. Marty's going to have to get in this car that has no plutonium in it. That's how they established it for us. And he has to so that he generate 1.21 gigawatts. Yep. Love it. I love that one. <laughs> I love when Doc's watching the tape and he's like, uh, oh, no, 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 Marty, it's, this thing's all electrical, but is it, But you got to have a nuclear reaction to set it off. You need 1.21 gigawatts. Of, and then Doc goes, wait, 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 what did I say there? And he has to rewind it because yeah. he can't even understand himself he's going his brain moves too fast yeah. he cannot help himself yeah. he's like a child yep. i think that's why as a kid we identified with him that's oh, yeah. why he was the main character of the animated spin-off yes. show yep. oh man that shit was wild because he's so childlike he's so childlike yeah. he's so accessible yeah i remember when my my folks introduced me to taxi uh-huh. a nick at night he is brilliant reverend jim yeah, and he's so fucking funny, uh, and it's just him as a young man doing shtick. We're gonna let this episode go long because I actually want to tell a great scene from Taxi. My d- my dad always told this. to is me. Is it the like, driver's license? Yes. application. Yes, that's my dad you know, told me the my same. My dad gag. told me yep. this, and he's like, "This was one of my. This he I think is one of the funniest off things. of Nick at he Night. Did the just same like thing for me. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. He was like, "This is one of my favorite." Sure, dad. My dad. <laughs> Which one of us traveled in time and created <laughs> this paradox? What is going on? So I'm going to tell the joke really quick, yeah, which yeah. is that uh, the reverend, he never had a license, and they decide, doesn't he Well, decide he needs he w- one because he, he drives a taxi. Right, yeah. And, and so they have to get on the up and up. They have to get yeah. him a license. So he sits down to take the driver's test, and they all somehow are allowed to sit in the testing room with him, yes. is, is, is my memory of it. Uh, and so, and basically, so he can cheat on the test because they know he's not going to pass unless they get it, they get his help. And so, Wait, he gets, let's 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 just act it out. So okay, you so can be Reverend Jim, I'll be Reverend, okay. and I will be uh, what was his name, Bobby? I think it was. Yeah. And so uh, we'll have to whisper. Although what what happens is this is all mouth. He's, he's taking his, and this is a written test because this was a show from the sixties or seventies. From the sixties or seventies, written test is driver license test. He gets to a question that he doesn't know how to answer. So he asks Bobby, I guess is his name, right? Yeah. And again, this is going to be whispering, but it would be mouth back and forth. He says. Uh, he says, what does a yellow light mean? Uh, slow down. And he looks down at the paper, confused. And he looks back up. What does a yellow light mean? Slow down. And he looks back at the paper, confused, and looks back up. What <laughs> does a yellow light mean? No, it's, it means slow down. <laughs> it means you slow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great it's gag. It's such a good gag. It's what <laughs> does <laughs> yeah. And he, he just looks like a fucking heroin addict yeah, too. Yeah, that's I so know. great. Uh, so back to Doc Brown. Okay, here but we I go. mean that's that's the that's the kind of character actor yeah, this yeah, guy yeah. Is, yep. is. You can tell that he is smart because he he knows how to play comedy. Yeah, you yeah. know, an actor would have just made Doc Brown you know wacky and all that, but yep. he gives him this depth because he's both a good actor yeah. and just a, a very gifted uh, physical performer on yeah. top of that too. Yeah, he's very slapstick. Yeah. And that's even a lost art you don't often see in movies. Mm-hmm. And that's he's really fully slapstick all the way through. Oh yeah, that really comes to light in the third one. But oh my god, we'll yeah, get yeah. to that we'll, a lot later. <laughs> uh, so then we get the death of Doc Brown. 
Uh, yep. Which is a significant moment in the film. Uh, the Libyans show back up that he stole the photography from, and he has this awful line. portrayal of Libyans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is actually. Is they're it? literally wearing like turbans, and like they have a missile and, launcher and for some reason. Too, right? yeah. yeah, and they're driving a VW bus, which just seems like a terrorist thing from the eighties. Yeah. You know? well, because all the the buses were decommissioned at that time. Yeah. so it's just a shitty old car. Yeah, exactly. And Off the uh, grid. so they uh, there's a great line that I thought was like very funny. Doc Brown goes, huh, "It's the Libyans." How did they find me? <laughs> and I was like, "You're in the town that you stole the plutonium yeah. in, and You're at the storing mall. it in. Like, what? What do you mean? How did they find you? Yeah. You clearly are not doing a very good job of hiding." Uh, so anyway, he gets shot. They they kill him, and so Marty then gets in this chase scene where he's in the DeLorean, and they do this great thing where they've established numerous times before this that 88 miles per hour yep. is how fast you need to go to travel through time. And so now they use that to build a bunch of tension in the chase sequence. They keep cutting to the Absolutely. speedometer as Marty speeds through this parking lot trying to escape the Libyans. And he gets really close to 88, and then he's got to slam on the brakes to make a tight turn. And then he gets really close to 88, and he's going to slam on the brakes and then make another tight turn. And then he gets this great line where he goes, they pull out a rocket launcher. <laughs> the Libyans pull out a rocket launcher. And Marty goes, let's see if you guys could do 90. <laughs> as if like that's boom. so fast that like you oh, know, yeah. well he's then, a badass hey, he's a badass and he's then boom it. he rockets through to uh, 1955 he ends up in Peabody's farm we've established all this part of the plot and now he's trapped in 1955 mm. and he's got to figure out what to do so he seeks out Doc Brown but he ends up at a diner first where he crosses his father for the first time yes uh, and he sees his father have to encounter Biff and he sees that oh, his relationship Biff. with Biff is exactly the same but there's a great moment where you don't realize that George is sitting there in the diner until the camera pans around to Marty sitting at the counter to ask for like a, he asked for like a tab. And then the guy's like, you got to open it. You got to order something to open a tab. Yep, yep. He's like, all right, let me get a Pepsi free. He's like, you got to pay for a Pepsi. I'm not going to give you one for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that's actually uh, and they parody that in the second one when he yes. goes to the uh, to the uh, future diner. Yep. Now I'm trying to remember. I believe he asks for maybe a new Coke. Maybe I, I forget what it is, but either yep. way. Same kind of thing. Same thing, yeah. They they bring these Man, things back up. That makes you feel old. Tab. Oh, what? I know. Tab, I know. get out. The fact that you and I both get that reference. Yeah, yeah. I would say that's crazy. Yeah. Although this movie did come out when I was one. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. It was, I was two. Uh, so I'm not that old, damn it. <laughs> Um, but, but, but what were we talking about? We were talking ago? about he goes to the diner, meets oh, George diner, McFly George. for the first so time. So get this shot where it pans over. And they're both scratching their head exactly the same mm -hmm. way at the counter. And then Biff comes in and goes, McFly! And they both look up exactly the same from the counter. And that happens also in the second one in yep. the future diner when Biff's kid comes in. Yep. And he's sitting next to his kid scratching, his, scratching head, his head. And then, McFly! Yep. Two McFly. No, that, uh, see, I want to talk about two. No, <laughs> one. One. Back to the future one. Uh, and so and here's the thing. I don't even really want to talk about the rest of Back to the Future at this point. Like, Well, uh, we let's can talk continue about some Back to the, the Future theories. Let's talk about the – yeah, because I think the rest of the plot is exactly what you would expect it to be at Absolutely. this point. Everybody's seen this movie. I just wanted to get into like how they establish it all as uh, through their plot line. Get into some of your theories, though. Well, I want to talk about a couple things. Um, one is that uh, when we go back – Fuck, sorry. I'm getting text messages about stupid shit. What if Christian Bale and Kristen Bell got got married? That was the <laughs> that was the question, and that's a very funny question. Thank thank you, Steve. <laughs> but um, no, I uh, uh the two of the jokes that we talk about. Uh, one was the the uh, Lone Pine. Yes. But uh, the other one is the mayor. 
Yes. Uh, one of the first things that happens to uh, Marty, he's, he runs into, I think he's a janitor. Yes. A young colored fellow in the yep. 50s who's just like a you know, working hard janitor kind yep. of guy living in a time where it's not really opportunistic to be, to be black. Yeah. And he plants the idea in his head, like, you know, you could be mayor. Yeah. And as soon as Marty says that, suddenly he has stars in his eyes. And yeah. he's like, oh, picture that. Yeah. Mayor, whatever my name is, yeah. I don't remember. And so Goldie. they pay off Goldie. that joke immediately. But it also shows, like, Marty has a very profound impact on everybody that he meets. Yes. You know, and it, and it resonates through time and even through his parents. Because yes. as we all know, in the plot, he saves his dad from getting run over yep. by a... Uh, by uh, by uh, uh, Lorraine's, yeah, his grandfather. Which, by the way, I did write down this line that I thought was so funny. Uh, the grandfather <laughs> calls to his wife. He goes, another one of these damn kids jumped in front of my car. Yep. Another one of these damn kids jumped in front of he my car. He was a habitual bad before. driver. Yeah. Just an awful, awful driver. Yeah. I wonder if there's a, a mention of that earlier, but... Like, I don't think so. Uh, I was present day. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't you know, know, like a reference. Well, either yeah. way, he he saves his dad's life, but yep. eventually, essentially, dooms his own because that was the moment that, we, as we all know from the yes. almost exposition, was that they, uh, you know, they they met in that that form yep. and went to the dance together. So Marty now has done that, but in also a way has saved his dad. Yeah. Because he's now introduced himself to him and. I find it interesting that if I met a younger version of myself, yeah. I would be like, who is this cocky little prick? Who does yeah. he think he is? I wouldn't like him. They did this great in Looper. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. When you run into your past self, you have this yeah. disdain for him. That's yeah. like, ugh. But what's great is that because Marty is this disdainful past version of his dad, but not so similar to the one that is, he still has that youthful eye. Yeah. He's able to insert that into his father and change the whole course of his life. Yes. So in a way he saves his life by being his, you know, by, by showing him that you can be a little bit of a badass. Right. And he also, you know, it's beautiful. Marty wouldn't be the person Marty is if his dad was the guy he is when he gets back to 1985. Absolutely. Yeah. Marty is only the way he is because he's a rebellious teenager. He's mm. rebelling against what his father is. And, and he's able to then teach that to his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of interesting, you know? Uh, like, Marty technically should be a totally different person himself when he gets back to 1985. He just hasn't had to experience his childhood over again to become well, that different person. the flux capacitor, exactly. keeping it all together. Well, exactly. and also just, like, I, I guess that that's that's one thing that's different from Looper yeah. in this. Uh, you know, Marty, well, I mean, he can negate his own existence. Yes. But, like, nothing really changes. He still has the old memories yep. of his life, yep. whereas everyone else has these new ones. Yep. But, you know, that's the whole butterfly flapping its wings yes, thing. And yes. it doesn't matter because it's neat. And that's movie well, and magic. It makes, it makes sense to me in the sense that Marty doesn't experience any of that time again. Mm. Everybody else would effectively have to experience that time again. Yes. And it would change them effectively in their memories of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it kind of makes sense to me. I, I think you can rationalize that. Well, and he also experienced something that they didn't, which was his plot line through yep. the traveling through the worlds. Yep. But uh, the worlds of time. Yes. But anywho, so yes, he, he does the... Uh, he does the, uh, you know, screws them up. They're not going to go to the dance together. George is this weak guy. You know, Marty's a little bit of a badass. So, of course, Lorraine wants to go to the Enchantment Under the Sea dance with yes. him. Yes. Which is a blessing in a way because he can still work it from the inside and get George into there. Yeah. Uh, there's a great scene where he there's does... There's a line about the dance I want to read you. Well, before we get to the yeah. dance, one of the things that he does when he's trying to convince George to invite Lorraine to the prom is he pretends to be an alien yeah he dresses up as an alien yes. invades yes. george's bedroom when he's sleeping and says that he is darth vader from the future yeah and uh he or whatever his thing is he's from darth planet vader vulcan. From, from planet vulcan yeah. yeah planet vulcan he mixes star wars and star trek boom crosses over yeah. right there does that 
and inspires him, uh, we don't find out till later, to become, to, the, to science become the science author. fiction author that in the new 1985, when he's they return, he is a successful author. And if you look at the cover of the book that he's selling, it's basically the exact shot yep. of Marty standing there in his... Uh, "Quote unquote radiation suit," yes. I guess, for the plutonium. Yes, and it's it's just wild that he did that, and it also sort of suggests that in the new 1985 there is no Star Trek or Star Wars right. because Darth Vader and Vulcan are now properties of McFl- of the <laughs> McFly true. estate. That's true. And so they're actually even more. If you think about it that way, they're even more well off yeah. than it lets on. Yeah. But anywho, so the big the big action piece in uh, Back to the Future is. The moment that that is really the last call moment for uh, Lorraine and George to yeah. fall in love is the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, yes. and everything has gone wrong. Yes. Murphy's Law is in effect. And that's, she wants I mean, to that go with Marty. That is the plot of this movie. Is oh, yeah. like everything, everything keeps goes going wrong. wrong. And oh, hold on. So Doc has this great line about the the dance, okay. and this is how they get to the idea of you've got to get George to ask her to the dance. Uh, he. He sees a poster in the hallway of the school. Remember, for some reason, Doc Brown comes to school with yeah, Marty yeah. at one point. He sees a poster in the hallway of the school. Because in the 50s, pedophiles didn't exist. Yeah, exactly. Or they didn't know. Yeah, for the Enchantment of the Sea Dance. And he looks up and he goes, Marty, there's a rhythmic ceremony and ritual coming up. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And that, that says so much about Doc Brown, <laughs> yeah. too. But anywho, they, they go to this dance. Everything's going wrong. Um, actually, in high school, we... Uh, b- Bauer was in this. Holy okay, shit. Right. Um, if you listen to this show, you probably know Mike Bauer yes. from Trailer, Trailer uh, Trash. But uh, I went to high school with him, and there was a project that we had where we had to film a scene from a movie and okay. recreate it. And so we did the scene from Back to the Future where Biff is pretty much trying to rape Lorraine. Uh-huh. And then George McFly gets the strength yep. to knock him unconscious. Yep. I was Biff. Uh-huh. Bauer was Lorraine, <laughs> and my buddy Isaac, you met yes, Isaac, yeah. he was uh, Marty, Marty McFly, yeah. and it was such fun, yeah. and we had to watch that scene over and over again, and that is a scene that is so iconic, yeah. because that is the turnaround, where yep. George hits Biff, Biff realizes, don't fuck with George, yep. Lorraine realizes, ooh, I'm into George, yep. and you know they're and finally George set realizes off to he dance can together. take control of himself, too. And if you buy the box set DVD of Back to the Future, that scene skips. What? Yes, that scene skips, and I looked it up, and it's on all of them, and they didn't do a reprint until the Blu-ray, and I don't have a Blu-ray player, so I can never watch that scene. Oh, properly. my God. Yeah. I don't remember that about my DVDs for that. Oh, it yeah. fucks me up. I'm mad. Oh, but, you man. know, there's a way to, to weasel it around, yeah, but yeah. who wants to do that? It's yeah. such a good scene. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, so they're off to the dance together, yep. and this is where Marty <laughs> single-handedly invents rock and roll. Rock and roll. <laughs> uh, they also imply earlier in the movie that he invite, invents skateboarding. Yeah, yeah, kind of. He like steals that scooter, breaks the oh, handles off true. of it, and he's like, "Now it's a skateboard." Well, that's a running theme into my whole theory with Doc Brown. Yeah, Doc Brown accidentally invents the whole future in my theory. Yeah, um, we should probably get more into this in the later episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, as as it were, there is an abandoned DeLorean over the cr- yes. over the course of this uh, time travel adventure. There's an abandoned DeLorean in a cave in 1885. Yep, and. Uh, that technology exists in the future, and it's very real that a confident doc from 1955 would would be able to use this technology to basically invent the 2015 that we see in Back to the Future 2, cool which idea. is so similar to, to uh, you know... His own What's ideas his about what he wants for the future. Absolutely. Yeah. And Marty wants to become a rock star. Mm-hmm. We know in two that even if he doesn't change his course, yeah. he still just becomes a businessman, yep. you know, old guy um, because of the car accident. Yep, yep. And um, which I like to think they prevent in the third one. Yes, yes. Fucking flee. And, um, <laughs> needles, needles. Uh, needles. And I, I know two so well. <laughs> 
But uh, he does become a rock star yes. because he invents rock and roll that yes. night. And he does by so by Chuck covering Chuck Berry. And singing in Chuck Berry's voice. Yep. Who, if I'm not mistaken, is black. Is black. Well, because his cousin, Marvin Berry, Marvin Berry. was playing with you the You know that school new band. sound you were looking for? This. Oh, what does he say? He's like, uh, ah. I had always bugged it. me. because like, this is your cousin, Marvin Berry. And there's no reason for me to say my last name well, he goes, except for you folks at home. It's actually pretty funny. He goes, uh, he goes, Chuck, it's your cousin, Marvin. Your cousin, Marvin Barry? <laughs> That's incredible. And uh, there's a great gag, too. Um, that It's actually a really nice moment in terms of uh, to give a little bit of characterization to this band. It's an all-black band yep. in the 50s. And uh, there's a moment where they're all outside smoking weed. Yep. And some guy accuses them what of being a uh, reefer, uh, reefer head uh, reefer spooks, addicts. I believe he calls yeah, them. I don't think he, he says uses spooks. like a racial epithet of some sp- of some sort. And it really just you know it, it it's a nice moment of yeah. like oh yeah I forgot like the good old days aren't always right. the good old days. Right. You know there there's some some fucked up things all the time. Yep. And uh, but it's those injustices that the cowboy stands against, and mm-hmm. Marty steps in because one of the oh yeah it's because uh. During that moment, the uh, guitar player injures his hand. Exactly. And, which which again, is eventually what happens to Marty in the yes. future. Also, great exposition that they don't... It's not exposition. They build into the plot line that Marty gets locked in their trunk and that yep. the keys are in the trunk. So they have to use this screwdriver to open up the trunk, which cuts the guitar player's hand, which now gives us the opportunity to put Marty on stage, play the song, and continue that part of the plot line and have that big celebratory ending. Absolutely. Right? So they just build into the plot line. this is almost in the way of like... It's weird that everything that can go wrong for yes. Marty does go wrong, yes. but it's a lot of happenstance that causes it to go right again. Yes. And so it's almost as if the universe is trying itself, to you know, write itself and like, correct uh, the time stream. And, and it's a beautiful sentiment that in a way George and Lorraine are meant to be together. Yes. Yep. You know, sure, their life after they met wasn't what they dreamed of, right. but whose is? And it's they're, they were meant to be together. Yep. But Marty is here to step in for the guitar yes. player and play. Oh, it's so good. Oh, and actually, that's a that's a gr- a great line too. Uh, he plays; they play Earth Angel, yep. and that gets George to fall in love with Lorraine. Yep. They make out. The picture comes yep. back, and now Marty, fully alive, has the energy to play whatever he wants, yep. and he does "Go Johnny J- Go" by Chuck Berry. And suddenly, and everyone knows how to swing dance. Everyone knows how to swing dance, <laughs> and then he goes into a ridiculous 1980s metal yep. shred, and he and does everyone like every loses famous him. guitar player's move too. Yep. He does the the knee slide from Townsend. Yep. He does the Chuck Berry duck walk. Yep. He hits him all. He crawls on his back across the floor. Yep. He, yep. he does the Hendrix over the back of his neck. Yep. 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 He invents all of rock and yes. roll's yep. iconic moves that one day. And then when the crowd is just not feeling it, he says, uh, you know, you, you, I guess you guys weren't ready for that yet, yeah. but your kids are going to love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is one of my favorite lines because it's true. Like, he, music that I listened to in my heyday of like being a music, yeah. a big music fan. The stuff that's on now doesn't speak to me, but I'm sure it's just as good. Yep. It's just I'm. It's a different age. It's, it's, it's a different such age. a beautiful sentiment yeah. of time passing. You know, there yeah. are some timeless acts, but there's some older stuff that I just don't get. Yeah. You know, and there's newer stuff that I don't get. Yeah. Is it to say my stuff is the best? No, I just was there for it. Exactly. You know, it's, yeah. It's just wild. Was there for it. Yeah. You know, it's it's crazy. I got some other like lines that I kind of want to read that I wrote down okay. just because I thought they were like funny and interesting. So we brought up the fact that they reference his uncle was in jail. Mm. And then when he gets to Lorraine's house, there's baby Joey in the uh, 
the the crib. Oh, in the crib. And yeah. He looks down and he goes, uh, he goes, better get used to those bars, kid. Yep. And then then this is so I remember that line. That line's a kind of iconic, like mm. you know, better get used to those bars, kid. But then who I guess is his grandmother. Uh, you know, Lorraine's mom goes, uh, Joey loves being in his crib. Anytime we take him out, he just cries. So we just leave him in there all the time. He's bred as if to be he's in jail. destined to be in jail. Yep. Um, what else do I have here? Oh, and then... That's uh, a good line. That is a really good line. And then Lorraine... He's faded. Yeah, Poor exactly. guy. And then Lorraine's dad uh, it goes... Uh, who's he talking about? I'm trying to remember who he's talking about. I think he's talking about George McFly, maybe. I, I forget who he's talking about. He's talking about somebody, and he goes... He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. Parents are probably idiots, too. There it is. Yep. The passing of the torch from and, father to son. And what are they doing? They're sitting down to dinner, pulling their first TV forward to the dinner table yep. to watch TV at dinner. That's which is wild. what we see Marty's family doing in their very depressing household earlier in the yep, movie. Yep. And, then, um, and that was at a time, too, in, in 85. I believe that the, the big concern was the threatening of the family yeah. unit. Yep. And TV was a big part of that. Yeah. Uh, TV now has been used as a tool, but it was villainized for a long time. It was, yeah. And so that's that's that was an effective uh, visual, especially in 85. Yeah. That maybe would, would be lost on a modern audience now. Yeah, yeah. You know. uh, and so I wanted to point out the end of the first act is mm. very funny because it's it's Marty getting to Doc's place for the first time in 1955, mm -hmm. explaining who he is, where he's from. He shows them the clock tower thing, which gives them the idea that, oh, we can use this bolt of lightning to send you back to the future. Yeah. This is, that's, the, that's the end of the first act. So that's the first 20 to 30 minutes of the movie. They tell us everything we need to know and what the entirety of the plot line is going to be by the end of act one, within the first 20 to 30 minutes. They introduce a complicated time travel plot line in 20 to 30 minutes that is unquestionably easy to understand and oh, yeah. fun, and we want to go for the ride. plot lines, really, because there's well, the title plot line, Back to the Future. Yep. They have to time that right. Right. And then there's also the plot line of just, you know... Getting uh, George to be... Yeah, getting George, you know, and what's the point together. of getting home if you don't yep. exist? Exactly. You know, that's it's it's so awesome. I just love that they get, they get all of that shit out of the way by the end of Act 1. And yep. it ends, Act 1 ends, literally with... Doc Brown going, and then we'll get the 1.21 gigawatts from the lightning bolt to come down to the car, sending you back to the future. Nice. <laughs> and when he says that, he looks directly into the camera and points, nice. and then slowly spaces out and moves to the left of the camera, which I thought was such a funny yep. choice that he looks right at the camera and points at the audience when he says the it's title. It's a little... It's not even fourth wall breaking nope. either because it's because just him being crazy. Then. Yeah, then yeah. he looks away and gazes away. I wonder I wonder if that was a director's choice or an actor's or if choice. That was his, I know, I'm curious about uh, that as well. Or even written into the script. Right. That, that would be interesting because that's, that's a big moment. Well, and yeah. I think it's, it's sort of... I hope... I actually hope it's written into the script because I think it's a funny moment where like it, it is always silly when the title of the movie is a line in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's a nice little wink and nod that like we know we're doing this. Like yeah, this yeah. is intentional. But this it fits is, into it too. It fits into what this movie because, is. I mean the the title itself part of the draw of it is it's a clever pun. Yes. Yep. You can't go back to the future. Right, you exactly. go forward to the future. Yep. And so it does fit in the in the you know the context of the script because yes. they do have to get back to the future. Exactly. Yep. Now, this is going to be an interesting question for this podcast. Okay. But uh, I have to use the bathroom very yeah. badly. So okay. I'm going to go do that. I We're don't know if watch. that involves editing or okay. We're going to edit right now. Fucking writing and storytelling. And it, it's it's one of those things that that uh, like exposition should draw you in, not push you out. Yes. And any more stuff pushes you out. And this, because you don't realize it's exposition, it draws you in, but it makes it worth it to yeah. to revisit the movie and to be an active viewer because there's all these little jokes that are not necessary at right. all to the plot, 
but they enrich the world that you're in and it, and it feels lived in and it, it just you know it, it it feels like a movie but it doesn't feel like pretend exactly you know it's 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 awesome like yeah. that i keep calling it awesome i probably should it's totally awesome and i want to i want to bring up one last line before we maybe sort of get into just some of our crazier theories okay. about this movie because uh, again, I never noticed this line before, and it, it's just a funny, brilliant little line in the movie. Uh, when Marty finally leaves the dance, and remember, mm-hmm. he's like getting close. He's got a time frame. He's got to get mm-hmm. to Town Square, and because that lightning bolt is going to strike at I think ten o four is the time. Yeah, and they and they know. they know, they know because of the newspaper. The newspaper, yep. exactly. It's uh, historic in the town. Exactly. So he's got to get back, and he gets back, and he is late when he gets back. He's he's not quite on time. Doc's kind of panicking about that. Oh, Doc has a great line where he's like, damn, where is that kid? Yeah, yeah. Damn. Damn, damn. <laughs> uh, he's so good. Oh, man, he he's goes, so good. So he, when Marty finally shows up, this is exactly what he says to him. He goes, you're late. Do you have no concept of time? <laughs> and of course, it's a nice little time gag. It's great. I love it. That's the, awesome. He's full of that stuff. I, I, I like that line a lot. Uh, so yeah, you want to get into some of our... I want to say one more thing about it. Yes. Um, of course, we all know Marty does get back to the future. Yes. And, um, Doc in the past is now, you know, he's almost given himself the idea for time travel. Yes. Because he has, uh, you know, he has seen it himself. Yes. Of his own creation without having ever created it and then grows to do that. Yep. But, um, so he has this information in the past that he can use to inform his future, but uh, he he still resists not knowing anything about the future because he knows how dangerous time travel can be, and so for two reasons this is interesting in the the characterization of Doc being knowing what's right and just not being able to help himself. Yeah. He, he well, let's start with the obvious one. He yeah. he knows he, he doesn't know he's going to get shot, but Marty gives him a letter yeah. that says you're going to be shot. You know, do something about yeah. it, and he just makes him keep it. He doesn't want to read it. He, he tears it up keep and it. throws it in a trash can. Oh yeah, he tears it up and throws throws it in the trash can. But then in the future. He pulls the letter out of his pocket and says, I'll "Ah, I figured, together. what, what the, the hell?" hell? That's you know, he could not it. help himself yep. but to read it. even after ripping it up and throwing it in the trash yep. can. He could not help himself but to put it back together, figure out what it said, and he's yep. glad he did. But also at the same time, this this is the the doc that you know saw that he had invented time travel, realized the repercussions yeah. of it, knew that it would probably be a bad idea to go ahead and invent it. But 1950s doc could not help himself yep. and invented it. Thusly creating 1985 Doc. Well, and that is sort of my crazier theory about this movie that I came to today. I never thought of this movie as a movie that had a time loop in it Mm -hmm. uh, because it pretty specifically, because of the ending where Marty's life is now different, Mm -hmm. it seems to be a very linear story, actually, Mm -hmm. where he leaves from 1985, goes to 1955, comes back, and he's created a new 1985. That's fairly... Although there's a loop there, obviously, like it's fairly linear, and because there is the big difference in his life when he gets back, that sort of establishes it as linear. Now, the, that there to are give the audience perspective, the time loop, a good example of that would be like 12 Monkeys. Yes. Or, um, well, you're probably going to get into Lost. Yeah, um, yeah Looper, Lost. Yes. Looper was the other one, yeah, uh, where it's just, you know, no matter what you do, you're not going to affect the major events, right. you know, and that's uh, that's a theory that exists uh, to avoid the idea of either a multiverse theory yep. or a uh, uh, paradoxes, or a in, paradox. you know, yeah, right. Uh, what this theory establishes and Lost explained it best, I think, is what happened happened. Mm-hmm. So if 
it's it's a little hard to explain. So, but I want to try because I really like it in context of Back to the Future. If Marty leaves 1985 in a time machine and goes to 1955 and then finds the guy that invented that time machine and says, "I have that time machine." and you're going to invent it, and it's here, can you help me make it work to get me back, thusly showing him, the doctor that will invent the time travel, mm. how to invent time travel, mm. it becomes unlikely that that time travel ever existed without this moment where Marty shows him that time travel exists and this is how it works. Another example, that's the mayor. Yes. Would the mayor have become the mayor without exactly. Marty first saying that to him, and then suddenly he's... The mayor, you're right. Exactly. You know, would he have done that? Would rock and roll exist would if rock- it weren't for Marty to go back and create rock and roll? Would skateboarding exist if it weren't for Marty to go back and create I skateboarding? I say no. I kind of agree with you. But then you, you say yes, because it could be a loop. Because it could be a loop. Yeah. Uh, and you, and, but that's the, my thing is I think it is a loop. And th- this is why. There's a, there's a couple little things. But the one thing, I noticed something when I watched it today that I'd never seen before. In the very beginning of the movie, one of the clocks you see along his wall, uh, along Doc Brown's wall that's mm. like going off, is a clock that has a guy hanging off the minute hand, mm. which is exactly what happens to Doc Brown at the end of the movie. Now, you informed me as I brought yeah, this up to you. It's a Harold Lloyd bit. famous uh, image. We, actually, I could probably pull it up. It's a Harold Lloyd bit. I don't know the name of the movie. Okay. But it's just it was like back in the Buster Keaton days where yep. these just vaudeville guys would yep. do their own stunts and have a camera pointed at okay. them. Yep. It's one of those. So, But the thing is, the Doc, the Doc Brown doing that in Back to the Future is a reference to Harold Lloyd. Right. But still your theory checks out because within the, you know, the the realm of Back yeah. to the Future, a multi a multiple things could happen. There could have been a witness yep. that was inspired to make that clock. Yep. There could have been uh Doc Brown saw that clock and was like, "Oh, I love that Harold Lloyd movie and I remember the time that I did that," you right. know. And so it does still fit into that absolutely perfectly. That was the thing that I saw. I mean, if anything, I like, it's a visual reference just yeah, on its base level. Absolutely. But I give this movie more credit than that. I do too. I yeah. actually think that it is the one piece of evidence that Doc actually knew this was all going to happen mm-hmm. when the movie began because it did happen. And he remembers, yeah. He remembers 1955 when a man named Marty McFly came about, a boy named Marty McFly came from what he claimed to be 1985 in a time travel that he claimed to invent and helped him get back to 1985. And that's why they're friends. Uh, and that's why they're friends, because yeah. that's one of the only unexplained things in Back to the Future. That's is true. Why the fuck is this 17-year-old kid hanging out with this 40, 50, 60, how, I mean, it's unclear he's how old like, he is, yeah, it's, but like a angels. much older man yeah. uh, who's like a mad scientist, because Marty clearly has no interest in science or anything Nothing. like that. He just like, likes his amp. Yeah. Like, but that's not enough. Like, they really do have they a friendship. They have like a friendship. So what you're suggesting, and actually I would agree with this, is that... Uh, Doc Brown, knowing, yes. reached out to Marty to be yes. friends with him, and Marty, just being the nice guy that he is, became fast yes. friends with him. Yeah, exactly. That's why. Uh, and, th- and that maybe they're fated to be together in the time stream, Absolutely. right? So maybe that's why Marty was so readily accepting of this weird doctor that was like, you don't know me, but let's hang out. Mm. Uh, and you, know, you also get um, uh, him wearing the bulletproof vest at the end, which, mm-hmm. granted, there's the letter that tells him he's going to get shot, right? And he tapes it back together. And so he's like, oh, look, I open it up and I've got this bulletproof vest. I'm not dead. I would like to argue that he's been wearing that bulletproof vest from the moment we meet him. Mm -hmm. Because he did meet Marty. Yeah. And he did find that letter. He's always had that letter. Mm -hmm. That's just how his life has been. Those 30 years have always gone the same for Doc Brown. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though it is the the only thing that disproves his theory is that Marty's life is so different when he gets back. Mm -hmm. If it were the exact same life when he got back, that I would tell you that's exactly what's happening in this movie. Actually, it would be smart to uh, 
to uh, for him to have started with the vest on yeah. because that's actually just a great ploy to take care of the terrorists. Yes. It worked. They yep. thought he was dead. They got out of that. Granted, they crashed their, their bus. Yep. But, uh, you know, they thought he was dead. So he's essentially safe. And that's wild. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. That, oh. And I, I like that. I, I like the idea that I it like is that this too. like repeated loop that has and to happen. You got to wonder if the screenwriters ever even thought that right. deep or it if it just like works it because it's so time. tight. Right. Yeah, probably not. But like maybe they did. Yeah. But if they didn't, that's just a testament to like scripts that are very tightly written. Yeah. You can investigate. Yes. And you can create things. You can build your own world off yes. of it like that. Um, when you don't have that there's no interest in doing such a thing right you know if, if you if you give me a box of legos i can create the world yeah but if you give me a box of duplos <laughs> uh sorry you can take those and go somewhere else i'm not going to build anything you yeah. know and I, I think it's like that you know you can take the script and you can create your own fantasy on top of it like that and and it fits yeah because it's such a solid foundation so whether they meant it or not is irrelevant it's it's valid i would agree it's absolutely valid i would agree mm-hmm it's a movie movie. It's a movie <laughs> it's a movie. movie. I know. I think I... <laughs> and and case in point, Back to the Future is absolutely a movie movie. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, fuck off. Go yeah, watch Jesus it. Christ. And please come back. But uh but watch it through this lens that that we've given mm. you now because it is really interesting to watch how easily they set everything up for us. Absolutely. And I, I wish they made they wrote movies like this today. I feel like it's mm. very rare we see a movie that is written with this much thought. Absolutely. Uh, Actually, one of the I, I always compare like Back to the Future trilogy. I it's like my bread and butter of time travel. But recently, the movie Time Crimes. Yes, love that it. is a time loop. Yep, and that is probably the only of uh, uh, time travel movie that, under close scrutiny, I can't find a flaw yeah. in. Yeah, and it's because they did they do something different with it. It's local time travel. Local time travel. It's literally two hours of time yep. travel in one setting. So yep. you don't have. There's really not a lot to think about. It's very straightforward. Yep. And but you can investigate it like that. And if you like Back to the Future, I totally recommend that shit. Time crimes. It's awesome. Do it. And, awesome, and, awesome, and awesome. watch it now before there's an American version. Oh yeah, which is coming. Yeah. That is officially happening. Because it's real good. Yeah. The direct I mean, they did, I don't think they kept the same director for the American one. Yeah. And he's such a present force in it. Oh, you yeah, need yeah, yeah. you need him. And he's one of the stars. Yes. But uh, but that's that's the thing is that's the kind of movie too where it's just about the script. Yep. You know, there's Back to the Future lucked out because we got Zemeckis, who's a technically good director. We've got Spielberg, who's very creative and hands-on. Yep. And they, they, you know, created you know a, a theme park ride out of. I mean, they literally did make a theme, did park, make ride a theme park ride. But this movie is a theme park yes. ride. It's it's a it's it's an adventure story yep. at its heart. But rather than a long you know landscape that our cowboy you know traverses over on his horse, it's a timescape that yes. he traverses over in his DeLorean and skateboard yeah. and flying skateboards and such. And eventually a horse. And um, There's a great line where he goes, Doc, you made a time machine <laughs> out of a DeLorean? Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I believe this came right out on the heels of it, the it DeLorean scandal. Yeah. And... Um, but it's uh, oh, I forget what point I was making. But it's magical. It's yeah. where, whereas a movie like Time Crimes, it benefits from being low budget. It's yes. just a good script handled well. Yep. This is Back to the Future is also an equally good script, but being handled by people that are that are technically proficient yeah. in creating movies, creating yeah. that medium. And when the marriage of a brilliant script and masters of the medium come together, it is movie magic, yeah. and that that is a movie movie. I feel like down. this script should be like studied. Absolutely. You know. It uh, was tonight. Yeah, yeah. It really should be. I, the more more filmmakers need to be of that mindset of like, I'm I'm so tired of seeing movies where it's just like, here's a bunch of exposition so that we can just play for a mm -hmm. while. Yeah, I'm tired of that because you can still have fun and play 
while actually like telling me a story. It's what's know? plagued the the superhero origin yeah. story. If you could give me an origin story of show don't tell, yeah, give me an origin story. But if you have a, a tell don't show origin story, yep. just start in the middle of it because yep. we all know who your superhero yeah. is. You exactly. know, like that kind of thing. And it, it's it's weird. Uh, I don't want to put too much of a name on it, but I'm going to literally put a name on it. David Goyer has handled a lot of stuff, and middling to good sometimes mm-hmm. a little bad mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he has a very big problem with with show don't tell yes and it irks me and that's one of the things that scares me about i know batman's been in the news and yeah. all this is yeah. goyer is writing yep. you know uh, man of steel 2 or whatever it will be called yeah. but he also handled you know he handled dark knight which is i think a, a solid script yeah. through and through it's yep. brilliant he also handled Dark Knight Rises, which is a clunky script yes. filled with problems. But luckily, we had a director that was cool enough to just pull it off with some swag. Yeah, and uh, and I I just used fucking swag. And, oh God, what's wrong? With <laughs> and um, you know, so it's it's uh, I I hope I, I it should be studied because yeah. you know very highly marketable screenwriters can fall into tropes where they'll deliver you the same movie ten times just with a different sheen on it. Yep. And it's the same fucking plot. Yep. Um, whereas then you know Back to the Future. That's a story that's never been made before or since yeah. and likely never will because it's so original and you can take rules from that script to create more original stuff. It's a good all, movie. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And I'm all back to the future doubt. Yeah, I'm I'm passionate about that movie but just watch it and there's nothing more we can say. Yeah, right it's uh, it's a movie, movie to the fullest extent. As as all I do want to promise our our lovely listeners, yeah. there will be a part two and three because yes, we, we will encapsulate this trilogy. Yeah. But uh, we're both big fans, and I, I would love to, especially the second one. I would love to talk about because it does favorite. have one of my favorite time travel plot lines. Oh yeah, it's uh, brilliant. Which is what actually one of the cool things about this movie is how quickly they get the time travel out of the way oh, and yeah. then start telling their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the time travel uh, is really a minor part of it. With the time I believe travel. the term is the MacGuffin yes. is just that lightning bolt. They yeah. got to get that. You got to exactly. capture that. Yep. And the adventures around it. Uh, so on that note, uh, go catch your own lightning bolt, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> My go name is Garrett, l- and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan, and I like to movie movie. We all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like, like to, to movie, movie movie. This has been a Roadside Network podcast produced by Mike Bauer. For more podcasts, go to roadsidenetwork.com.